Greetings, Embers. Welcome to Back to Ashes. My name is Phoenix. I'd like to thank the reform members of the channel. Howler's mom, Tina Mead, Seven, Les Crispin, Tammy Slayton, CAG, Denise S, Through Scrutiny, Samantha Place, Stephanie McLaren, Corpse Lover, Normie DW, Christy Elias, Cindy Cleveland, and Patty's niece. If you would like to learn how to become a member of the channel or would like to buy me a coffee as a special thank you, those links can be found down below. Also, if you are new here or have been here and haven't done so already, please don't forget to subscribe, like, share, and comment. Not only does it help the channel out, but it reminds you of every time I upload a video. With all of that being said, it is time to go back to ashes. For once we arise from the ashes, we are a bigger, brighter, stronger, and a happier person in the morning. Sit back, relax, kick back, grab a snack, or tuck in to get warm and prepare for this dose of vocal melatonin entitled More True Crazy Neighbor Stories. Right after this intro and ad will play, I'll read the first story and ad will play, and after that there will be no more ads within this video. When I was around 20 years old, I started getting love letters in the mail. At first, there was no return address. Eventually, the third letter I received was from my much older, mentally unstable neighbor. He expressed how much he loved and needed me. He wanted a family and so on. He told me he'd been watching me since I was a little girl. That part creeped me out. I've known him my whole life and I never had a clue. I don't know how he knew where I worked at, but there were a few times he would sit on the bench down the street from my job and watch me walk to and from my car. He sat on that bench, still as a rock, and only followed me with his eyes. After that, I told my dad and grandfather, and they went to go talk to him, and eventually, he stopped and basically fell off the face of the earth, never seen him again. To this day, I often wondered when I was outside playing as a little girl, what if he had kidnapped me? I'm so thankful he never made a move from that time forward. I am very aware of my surroundings now. Shortly after moving into my first apartment, and started having strange encounters with one of my neighbors on laundry night. I would pass through the neighbor's carport when it rained to get to the laundromat. He stood in the shadows a bit and startled me several times, possibly avoiding the rain. I tried to be friendly, but he would just stare at me, smoking his cigarettes and not saying a word. Soon it became a regular routine for him, and then the apartment across the way opened up, and he moved. To that one. I changed laundry to a daytime only event. One night, I sat on my stoop on the phone and noticed a red light in the distance. It was him sitting in the dark with a video camera pointed straight at me. I went inside to tell my friend who had just been crashing at my place for a few weeks, freaked out and relieved about the timing. That night, my friend staying with me went out and when he was gone, I heard loud bangs that sounded far away, but I used a sound machine to help me sleep, so I still couldn't be sure what it was. The next day leaving, we noticed the door wood around the deadbolt was all mushed up. 
I asked him if he noticed it when he came back, but it was late and he was a little drunk, so he wasn't quite sure. The maintenance people were very concerned because it looked like someone had tried to break in while I was home alone. Shortly after that, I left and got a new apartment. Luckily, my new roommate had an amazing big dog, and when she was out of town one night, I woke up at like 3 a.m. to him growling at her window. I went over and ensured it was locked. The next day, my neighbors asked me if I locked myself out, and I asked, no, why? Sure enough, the screen on the outside was all twisted as if someone tried to break in but got interrupted by a very big dog. The worst part was I had out-of-state plates and all of my friends kept telling me to get that switch because I was sticking out to the police. I often thought that he'd track me down by plates and tried again or maybe I was just paranoid and these were a series of break-ins looking for money, jewelry, etc. I'm a bit more vigilant now and do plan on changing my plates very soon. I'll preface this by saying I live in a very creepy neighborhood. I have tons of stories that I will share later on. I'm happy to clear anything up. I live in a two-bed, three-bathroom house. My room is quite small and only has room for a bed, a desk, and a bookshelf. I enjoy reading and writing music, so it's not super ideal, but it works. Let's start with the first time this happened. Chapter 1 the man next door, three months ago. Our neighbor is an old man. We'll refer to him as John for privacy reasons. Maybe 60 or 70. He lives all alone, and his house is a dump. Weeds climbing the tall walls with paint peeling and water stains covering the surface. His bedroom window is right across from my bedroom window. So if I were to look outside, I could most likely see into his room and vice versa. It was 11 p.m. I was sitting at my desk, which faces the window, and I decided to look up from my book. And out the window, I noticed that the lights were on in John's room. I didn't think much of it at first, but then I noticed a little flash coming from the corner of the window. I looked a little closer, and I realized that these were the man's spectacles reflecting off of something. But more disturbing, the man was watching me. I don't know how long he was watching or why, but I was creeped out beyond all description. I decided to close the blinds and go to sleep. Tomorrow, I would go over to his house to ask him why he was watching me. Chapter 2 The Point of Annoying Turning to Creepy One Week Ago at this point, seeing the old man had become less of a joy and more of a fear. He would ask me deep and kind of disturbing questions. I believe he once asked me, as I was taking my dog for a walk, if you could, would you ever skin a child? And other shit I won't even mention. Now, I was in my room again. I had caught the old man watching me a few times, but since it was 2 a.m., and I decided to open the blinds, surely the man was asleep, and I could enjoy watching the stars. I opened the blinds slowly, but to my horror, 
the man was still up. And even worse, he has moved a rocking chair to the window where he could watch me. His lights were off, but it was clear he was still awake. I shut the blinds immediately and turned off my light. I heard a curse from beyond my window, then silence. I decided that I would never look out of that window at night again. Chapter 3 My Worst Nightmare Last Night Last night I was laying on my bed, sleep not coming to me. It had been a busy day, and I was processing everything that happened, when all of a sudden I hear something hit my window. I just assumed it was a bird or something, so I closed my eyes again, but this time I heard another bang from my window. This time I got up and slowly peeked out of the blinds. My neighbor wasn't in his window, so I thought it would be safe to open my blinds completely, so I did that, and what I saw next shocked me. I looked all around and didn't see anything, until I looked down. There was the man, in our yard, smiling. His grin was wide, his teeth were yellow, his eyes glinting in the moon. That was it. That was fucking it. I slammed the blind shut and ran to my parents' room. I told them all about the man next door and everything that had happened the past three months. They calmed me down and then told me they were going to go look out of my window, and so they did. But in the time it took for me to explain to them and for them to calm me down, the man had somehow retreated back to his room and lay sleeping in his rocking chair away from the window. My parents chalked it up to sleep paralysis or something like that. And so I went back to sleep. But in the morning, I would receive the best news of my life. Chapter 4. Dream Come True I was awoken at 7 a.m. by the sound of the doorbell. I groggily got up and put on my clothes. Important note I forgot to mention, I sleep naked, so that makes it weirder. I went downstairs and my parents turned around and told me that the John had told them that he was moving away and that he would be gone by noon. I now feel very safe in my room again. I and my girlfriend rented an apartment for a month. The area was secluded and after dark, everybody would mind their own business. Neighbors would hardly talk to each other or even be outside in the evening. Our apartment was in a building with four floors, and each floor had a single apartment. All the apartments were very compact and built to be rented to students. The night we moved in, our taps ran out of water, so I went upstairs hoping to borrow some from the people living up there. I realized that two out of the four apartments were vacant and locked. The apartment on the fourth floor was lit from the inside, so I decided to ring the bell, but to my disappointment, nobody answered. Over the next week, we used to hear the sound of someone whacking a rod or some sort of metal on maybe the floor or some other object. This would start late at night, after 1.30 a.m., and continue for hours. Initially, we didn't care about it, but after some time, it got us intrigued. The sound was clearly coming from one of the apartments above us, 
But as I already mentioned, two of the three were vacant for sure, and the third one seemed vacant but was lit from inside. I knocked on its door many times, but no one answered. The whacking sound was a daily occurrence, and on some very late nights we could hear someone climbing the building stairs. It seemed as if we were the only ones living in this building, especially during the day, and until the very late nights. We made up theories to convince ourselves that it was nothing, but the pattern of the whacking was too irregular for it to be made by wind or something other than a person. It would start almost daily at around the same time. We asked people around but didn't get any satisfactory answer. No one knew if anyone lived there. Towards the end of our stay, I saw a shady-looking man going upstairs during the day. I asked him if he was the owner of the apartment upstairs. He said he was, also including the one on the fourth floor. I asked him if anyone lived upstairs and also about the whacking sound. He told me no one did and that he's looking for tenants. He said that he had no idea about the sound. To my surprise, he then asked me, So, for how long are you planning on staying here? Uh, four more days. We leave on the 30th of this month, I replied. He asked me if anyone else had rented the place for the next month, and I told him that I didn't know. So, the strangest part is that for the next four days, there was neither the whacking sound nor the sound of someone climbing upstairs late at night. However, my girlfriend's internship got extended by two days, and we decided to stay there, and just as I had anticipated, the whacking sound resumed after the 30th, the day we were supposed to leave. I don't know what it was, but I won't ever know. But I am just happy that we got out of that place without any consequences. It really scared me sometimes and feels weird thinking about it, even now. Here's a little bit of background before I get started. I live with my roommates in an apartment in the suburbs of Atlanta. As you may know, Atlanta is super dangerous and crime-riddled right now, so we have a ring peephole camera, perfect for apartments by the way, and a digital lock on our door for safety. Now, on to the story. About three months ago, a sweet family from across the hall moved out, and we got a new neighbor. His name is David, and let's just say he's interesting. When we first saw him moving in, we were a bit taken aback by the sheer amount of stuff he was trying to fit in his one-bedroom apartment. All of it was anime merch and Star Wars memorabilia. Definitely gives me, like, hoarder vibes, but none of my business. When the moving trucks left and a few days had passed, my roommate and I knocked on his door to give him a welcome-to-the-neighborhood gift basket with some baked goods dog treats and poop bags for his dog, and seasonal candles. Apparently, this was not the correct thing to do. After that day, David got creepy. It started out innocent enough. He would come to the door whenever he heard me or my roommate coming or going to have a quick chat, or he would come over regularly to ask for salt or sugar or toilet paper. Sometimes he would just ask if we would come over and watch his dog. But 
Within the past two weeks, things have really escalated. Two weekends ago, we were out pretty late partying at the bars near the Brave Stadium. We ended up getting home at around 3 a.m., only to find David sitting at the top of the stairs waiting for us. He acted all upset, asked us where we had been, and requested that we tell him if we are planning to be out past midnight. I laughed in his face and he called me a mindless Stacy. I still don't know what the hell that means. He also asked for access to our ring camera so he could make sure we are safe. We laughed at him again and went into our apartment. Here's the scary part. We checked the ring the next morning and he sat outside his apartment staring at our door for the rest of the night. When we saw that, we contacted the complex to let them know that he was acting crazy. They told us to contact the police, so we did. The police told us to contact them if he made any threats, but since we lived in a shared space, they couldn't do anything until he entered our apartment or threatened us. I assume the complex said something to him because he left us alone for the next five days or so. This week, he is out of control. He is constantly sitting outside of our apartment. My roommate has started leaving for work an hour earlier so that she doesn't cross paths with him. I cannot leave the apartment during the day because he is constantly waiting outside for me. He has asked me out, left love letters on our door, on our cars, and in our mailbox. I told him once that I wasn't interested, and he told me that he would kill himself if I didn't go out on a date with him. Of course, I don't have that in writing, so the police won't do shit. He has also put up a ring doorbell of his own so he can track all of our movements and will leave really creepy sexual notes when we were gone so we would find them when we come back. What do we do? Oh, here's some updates. For now, my brother is spending the night on my couch for the next few nights until we can have a sit-down meeting with my landlord. We have collected all of the evidence and ring footage so we can show just how much this has progressed. I'm sure the landlord and the police think we're being dramatic little girls or whatever, so we're not going to take no for an answer. Either he leaves or we break our lease and get our full security deposit back. We are also going to file for a temporary restraining order at the very minimum because some of our friends said that would be faster than going to the police. We met with our landlord last week. Unfortunately, they aren't willing to work with us as much as we had expected. They will not remove him from his unit. Since we didn't want to spend a ton of money to move, we asked if we could move units within the complex. The landlord offered us a one-bedroom unit on the terrace level, so my roommate and I would have to share a room in what is basically the basement of our building. Not ideal. We spoke to the police, and they said the notes and letters weren't enough to get someone on stalking or harassment, especially since he literally lives three feet away from us. He probably just thinks you're cute. They did keep the ring videos and said that they would contact us sometime this week after they've reviewed all of the footage. We have both moved in with my parents for the time being. Shout out to them for being incredible parents. It really sucks spending 2000 plus monthly on a place you can't live. 
We are actively looking for other apartments, but money is tight since we would have to buy out the current lease and pay to start a new one. Also, not ideal. So, not the updates we were hoping for, but we are both safe now, and that's what's most important. If anyone has suggestions about raising $5,000 in a month, please let us know. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. I used to live in a three-story house with my parents, younger sibling, and our dog. We moved into this house a few months before my younger sibling was born. And that was when we first met the neighbors across the street. Lucas, who was the oldest child in their family, was also a bit strange. But there were some aspects of his personality that were more than just strange. They were straight up disturbing. It would take hours to cover everything, so I'm just going to get straight to the point. I'm almost positive that Lucas has been inside of our house in the middle of the night. Our house was built on a hill, so it looked like it was only two stories from the front, and the basement was connected to the backyard. The yards in this neighborhood were much larger than they are in the newer housing developments, so it would have been very easy for someone to enter our backyard unnoticed. Despite this, my family was terrible about making sure all of the basement doors were locked. My younger sibling and I would always go in and out when we were playing in the backyard, or someone would go down to let the dog out, and we would end up forgetting to lock one of the doors before bed. We also lived in a safe area where it was common for people to leave their doors unlocked. However, my family did always lock the door leading down to the basement every night, along with all the other doors on the main level of the house. I had a fucked up sleep schedule back then, so I would usually still be awake at 3 or 4 in the morning. There are two specific instances that happened very late at night, which make me think that Lucas has been inside of our house without our knowledge. One night, I was in my bedroom on the upper level of the house. It was probably around 2.30 in the morning when I suddenly heard the sound of an angry growl coming from downstairs. Thinking that my dog had spotted a cat in the front yard, I quickly rushed downstairs to stop him from barking and waking up my entire family. This kind of thing would happen every now and then, so I wasn't thinking too much of it at the time. But instead of going downstairs and finding my dog by the front window, I found him by the locked door that leads down to the basement. The fur on the back of his neck was standing straight up and his nose was pressed to the bottom of the door. I instantly froze when I realized what was happening. There was something or someone on the other side of that door. I was barely a teenager at the time, so I began to panic and started making my way upstairs as quietly as possible. I woke up both my parents, but neither of them took me very seriously. 
my dad just assumed that my dog was hearing random noises coming from outside, but he did eventually go down to check things out. He said that everything downstairs looked normal, but he also mentioned that we forgot to lock one of the basement doors that night. Then there was another time that I was up late and in my room. By this time, instead of hearing my dog growling, I heard a loud bark that echoed through the entire house. The sound was sudden and intense, similar to a gunshot, and it almost made me jump out of my chair. Assuming again that my dog had seen a cat outside, I quickly looked out of my bedroom window and tried to spot whatever he was barking at. But my heart suddenly dropped when, instead of seeing a cat, I saw Lucas running out of our front yard in the pitch black. I watched him run across the street and back towards his own house before I rushed to close the curtains and duck out of sight. I remember sitting there struggling to process what I had just seen and questioning why Lucas would be in our yard in the middle of the night. I told my mom about it the very next morning, and she said that she would bring it up to Lucas's mom. Because of these two instances, and because of our details that I can't include, I'm 99.9% .9 sure that Lucas has been inside of our house in the middle of the night. If you knew the entire story behind this family, then you would also find the thought of this to be extremely disturbing. I do want to mention that all this happened years ago. My family no longer lives in that house, and those neighbors across the street are doing just fine. But looking back on everything now, I'm realizing just how creepy the situation truly was. So, I moved into a duplex with my ex about three years ago in what we thought was a safer part of the city. One of our neighbors, Amber, works in the duplex rental office and her husband Ed was at the time fresh out of prison, later would see all of the swastika tattoos, and had been doing and continues to do landscape work for the rentals like mow the lawns, cut down trees, etc. Other than that, he is at home mostly doing odds and ends, things like tinkering with his own mower or truck or something. They both are super nice people, very kind and loving toward others, and always offer to help out. We have smoked weed together a few times. Ed smokes more than Amber. And have talked about all kinds of things, so I thought I could trust them and felt very safe being their neighbor. I once mentioned how sometimes when I'm home alone, I hear steps in the attic over my room, and what sounds like a chair being dragged. How sometimes the noise follows me around the house and always freaks me out to the point of calling someone just to feel a little safer until the noises die down. Ed said, <laughs> What? You think we're spying on you? In a laughing way, but it creeped me out a little. So then, I break up with my boyfriend and he moves out. This is recent, so a few months ago. Ed started texting me asking if I wanted to smoke while Amber was still at work. I declined every time, finding different excuses because I still felt uncomfortable around him. Then he asked if I wanted to have sex with him because he thinks Amber is cheating on him. I definitely shut that down and it was awkward as fuck. 
I didn't tell Amber because I didn't want to get kicked out or have some horrible, awkward tension, and I hate confrontation, so I kept quiet. That's when I started to hear things in the attic above my room more often. It freaked me out even more when I woke up to a loud bang right outside my front door at about 3 or 4 a.m. When I went to examine it, there was a small lockpick outside my door on the ground, but no one around. I kept the lockpick, and the next day I texted a picture of it to Amber to let her know that I thought someone was creeping around, and she said, Oh, that, that's Ed's. That's his ice pick, not a lockpick, sweetie. No one can pick your deadbolt with that. But I know the difference in a 4-inch skinny-ass lockpick and an ice pick. I'm so scared to be alone here, especially at night. Our addicts connect, and it's not outlandish to think he could be up there spying on me. I even found a freshly drilled hole in the ceiling of my room. I just wadded up some paper and put it in the hole, and try not to think of it. I honestly hope nothing comes of it, and I'm just being paranoid. My friends kept telling me to call the police, but I don't have any evidence, really. I have the lockpick still and pictures of my door being messed with, but when I've gone into the attic, it's been completely empty. I've never gone in there alone because its opening is in my garage and there is no ladder, so it requires two people. But as of now, it is a gaping hole above my washer and dryer and very hard to get into without good upper body strength. I'd call my ex to come home when the dragging would start and by the time he got there, it'd be cleared out. So I'm hesitant to report anything with no evidence. This is 100% true. I'm staying with my boyfriend until I move out in a few weeks, despite my neighbors being upset I'm leaving. To address another thing, I didn't see any swastika tattoos until months after I'd been hanging out in their back porch to smoke with them. He had his shirt off for the first time, and there were at least three on his body. It confused me because Amber and Ed are super wicked. She has wicked tattoos all over and stuff, and so I believe maybe his tattoos were for protection in prison? Either way, after that, I stopped hanging out with them and would only speak to them if we were both outside at the same time. I've never only started thinking about this in the last 10 to 15 years, but I think I nearly escaped being sexually assaulted and or murdered as a child. When I was a preteen growing up in rural Texas, a family from Las Vegas moved next to us. It was Harry, that's his real name, and his wife, her mother, two daughters, and one of their husbands. I was drawn to them because they were very friendly and interesting all except Harry. It didn't take long to figure out that everyone in the family hated him. He gave off a real dirtbag vibe. The family had money, but it came from his wife's side of the family. He didn't really fit in with the rest of them. Over a year or so, I spent more and more time over there, but avoided Harry like the plague. Talking to his stepdaughters, I learned that their mother was getting ready to divorce him. I think he could see the writing on the wall, too. One day out of the blue, he stopped over at my house, 
I was outside, riding my bike or something. He asked me if I wanted to take a ride with him to check on their cattle. For some stupid reason, I forgot all of my misgivings about him. I thought it might be cool to take a ride with him out in the country to check on the livestock. My mother was inside talking to a friend on the phone. I'll never forget how she reacted when I asked her if I could go with him. Without interrupting her conversation, she mouthed, no, and shook her head to reiterate the point. She told me to just go to the front door and shake my head, rather than going outside and telling him I wasn't going. Harry just shrugged and left. After his wife finally kicked him out, Harry started harassing them in weird ways, creeping outside their house at night and even calling in fake obituaries for one of the daughters in the local newspaper. Thankfully, he took off back to Vegas soon after. After I had kids of my own, I started thinking about that incident and what could have happened to me that day. If my mother hadn't had the foresight to tell me I couldn't go, I think Harry would have hurt me just to get back at his family members who had a fondness for me. It's very chilling to think about, even to this day. Hello everyone. I recently moved into an apartment with my boyfriend. We instantly fell in love with the place and the price. We got approved and moved in rather quickly. The place is in a college town area. There is a bar nearby, grocery stores and fast food places. Nothing out of the ordinary nor sketchy. On the day of move-in, our landlord gave us our keys and briefed us on the neighbors. There are only four apartments in the complex. Landlord said that they were very reserved for the most part. One neighbor is very scared of COVID-19, so they stay inside. Neighbor across from us seems to be very reserved as well. Now, I save the best for last. Our bottom floor neighbor, let's call him Cal. As we were walking up towards our place, our landlord said, Hey, um, oh yeah, Cal? Mm, he's very weird boyfriend and I looked at each other like, what the fuck does that mean? His windows and doors were wide open. Landlord explained that he did not have AC at the moment. He continues to have all windows and doors open. We ignored it and continued unpacking. We had prior plans to leave town, so we did not spend the first few nights there. Upon arrival, we discovered why he was weird. When we first saw him, we said hello and made some comment about the weather. He seemed confused and disoriented and said, Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. As the days passed, he would say hi. He would reciprocate at times. It was obvious that he was socially awkward. If I pulled up into our parking lot and he saw me, he would scurry into his room. Thought it was unusual, but brushed it off. We thought that was the extent of his weird. Boy, were we fucking wrong. Slamming, shoving, and hitting of his own door started at night. Only at night. The slamming and banging was so loud that it woke us up. When we got closer to our door, we heard him yelling. We finally understood why he was deemed weird. This continued for many nights in a row. 
we would notice that he just stands in the middle of the parking lot and talks to himself. If he sees me, he goes back inside, etc. Things escalated this past weekend. It was late in the evening. We were chilling, watching TV, when we heard a knock. We immediately knew who it was, since Cal was chilling outside with the neighbors. Boyfriend answered the door, and Cal asked if we had seen a young Asian woman walking around. Boyfriend said no, and he walked away. Last night, I came home from visiting my family. Immediately after I came home, Cal went upstairs. Boyfriend answered the door and asked if we had seen his mom walking around. Boyfriend sternly said no and closed the door. To conclude, this morning at 6 a.m., we heard an extremely loud knock. I awoke immediately. I went to the door and did not see anyone, though I saw a flashlight. I got super scared and woke up my boyfriend. We looked out and saw that there were police officers looking for Cal. From what we can make out, Cal called the police due to hearing a gunshot and a young woman scream. Boyfriend was up since 5 a.m. and stated he did not hear any of that. At this point, we are on edge with this dude. If he comes upstairs again, we are going to tell him to ask other neighbors. Oh yeah, that's right. Here's a few updates for you. Right as soon as I finished typing this, the previous tenant texted me. He said that Cal was really weird while they lived there as well. Cal would talk to himself. Previous tenant said he caught security camera footage of Cal going up the stairs near the door and started working out. Cal noticed the camera and went back downstairs. We will be installing cameras very soon. Update 2. My boyfriend is officially in I wish a motherfucker would mode. Update number 3. I forgot to mention. Yesterday, before I left to visit my family, I heard someone say, hello, and shuffle around my front door. I could only imagine who it was. It creeped me out because it was right after my boyfriend left to go golfing. Also, my boyfriend told me that he heard Cal go up the stairs after the police left at 6 a.m. Boyfriend works early hours from home. And say hello, trying to get someone's attention. I mentioned this in the comments, but my plan is to call the non-emergent police line in the event he continues to be erratic towards myself or us. I really hope he does not get to that point. Update number four. Yes, I know this man is mentally ill. However, it does not negate the fact that he purposefully tries to talk to us late hours in the night. Compassion is shown, but boundaries will be set. I wish him the best, but our safety, including his, is prudent. Update 5. Police were called because we heard him yell and scream for help. Police came out and said they already knew about him. It seems like he is harmless, but we still keep our distance for our safety and his. This happened around the summer of 2000 in Midwest USA, and I was a 12-year-old boy. I was shy and never did well with confrontation. Anytime I was scared, I'd feel myself shaking. One day, my dad and cousin were weightlifting in the garage, and it was open. 
I then decided to grab my bicycle out of the garage and ride up and down the street while my dad and cousin lifted. As I'm pedaling away from the house, I see another kid riding his bike, probably five to six houses down from mine, but he's just kind of going in circles. I maybe get like 20 feet near him, but that's it. No words were exchanged, not even a wave or a nod. I just kept my head down and kept pedaling. On our next circle back down the street, that's when things got weird. I get near the area where the kid had been riding, and he's not around anymore. So, I guess he went inside wherever he lived. Right as I'm about to turn around and head towards my house, which is like probably 80 to 100 yards away, I hear a man yell, Hey! In an unsettling tone. I look up and a man is standing in his front doorway probably 25 feet from me as I'm paused on the street with my bike. He's one of the creepiest looking dudes I've ever seen in my life. He has on a ball cap and he's wearing these thick Jeffrey Dahmer looking glasses. Tanned burnt orange, dirty looking wrinkled skin and had to be in his 40s probably. He looked straight out of a horror movie and he just had this sinister, angry look on his face. He then says, If you say anything to my son again, I'm going to run your ass over. At this point, I was crying and frozen with fear, but then I started biking home faster than ever. I'd never been in a situation like this in my life. I couldn't believe what happened because I never said anything to that boy. So... I get to the open garage where my dad and cousin are still lifting, tell them the story, and they decide to go to the guy's house and address the situation that just occurred. My dad and cousin had a few beers and were pretty jacked, so they were ready to tussle if needed. My dad goes straight to the guy's door with my cousin behind him and knocks loudly. The man opens the door and has this huge Rottweiler by his side barking and going crazy at my dad and cousin. He threatens to let the dog loose, but my dad and cousin aren't cowering down one bit. After a bit of bickering for a minute, the guy goes back into his house and shuts the door. Nothing else happens that night, and we walk back home. A few days pass, and now I'm about to get to the creepiest part. During the summer, when my parents worked during the day, my grandma would come over and babysit my little brother and I. We were about 10 minutes from downtown, and my grandma was going to take us there to grab food at Sonic. We get in her car and start driving down the road towards that creepy dude's house. This made me feel very uneasy, but that's the direction we had to go. As we got closer to the house, the hair on the back of my neck starts to stand up again. As we go by the house, I see him. He's sitting in a red truck in his driveway, facing the road, like he's about to pull out. I don't remember well, but I think he might have even had a grin on his face as we drove by. We pass the house and he pulls out behind us. I start freaking out a bit, so I tell my grandma the story about the man driving behind us. At first, my grandma was chill about it, but then I noticed she seemed a bit shaken. This is because she had made about six to seven turns to throw him off our trail, but he kept following us. Every little turn. 
At this point, me and my brother are in the back seat with our heads down as he follows us. But luckily, we made it into downtown where it was busy. We get near the police station, I believe, and take another turn. Then finally, he just passes on by. I never see the man again. My mom and dad split up and we left that neighborhood two years later with my mom to move to the country. My dad still lives at the same house and I wonder if that dude stuck around for a while or even still lives at that house. What was his intent? Was it just a coincidence or did he plan on following us? It was so weird how it happened like he was just waiting in his driveway for us to pass by. I grew up in Arizona, in a relatively safe city. Before myself or any of my friends had a driver's license, we would walk everywhere just to get out of the house and do something. Typically going to Circle K for soda and snacks or Walmart or Target just to browse around. One time, when my two friends and I were 15 back then, we were walking back to one of my friend's houses through her neighborhood around sunset. At that time, everyone in Arizona was fairly friendly. So whenever you would pass by, another person or group you would exchange a hello or a wave with. This time in particular, we were walking past a house on a corner that had a kitchen light on where a middle-aged man was washing his dishes. When he made eye contact with us, my natural instinct was to smile and my friend was to wave. What a bad idea. The man immediately dropped his dishes in the sink and what felt like one second later was outside on the corner staring at us in an aggressive stance with both hands balled into fists. All of our flight or fight responses were completely different. One friend immediately took off running in the other direction. My other friend pissed her pants and I was frozen in complete fear. He started charging towards us in full force and I am so grateful that my friend grabbed my arm and we all started running as fast as we could. I was so scared. I was last in place. The man was well built and appeared to be in great shape and had no troubles catching up to us. As I'm running, I can hear his footsteps very close behind me. He reached his hand out, tried to grab a hold of my hair, but the adrenaline finally kicked in and I was able to speed off beyond his grip. After a while of running, we realized we were no longer being chased. We hid in safety and called my friend's mom to pick us up and told her what had happened. We gave her the location of the house and all vowed to never go near that house again. The next morning, we wake up and her mom explains she checked the address of the house, and someone living there was a registered sex offender. Not sure if it was explicitly because of this incident, but my friend moved houses shortly after this. Our moms all collectively agreed we were not allowed to walk alone around anyone's neighborhood, and that if we wanted to go out, a parent should be close by. I completely forgot about this until I was recently talking to my friend and she brought this night up. I sometimes wonder what would have happened if this man had gotten a better grip on my hair, but I'm thankful to say we got away unharmed. 
at 27 today. I carry a pocket knife and pepper spray with me at all times. Ah, my time has come. So, my aunt lives next door to us, which would be fine and dandy, but she's a sociopath. The house we live in was hers and my father's growing up, and we, dad, mom, brother, and me, moved in with my grandmother 10 years ago. My aunt would come to get my nan's keys to fill her car with gas and copy the house key. My aunt would then come into our house in the wee hours of the morning and steal the stupidest shit. We didn't notice for a while, but then our new shampoo bottles would be empty suddenly. Our paper towels and toilet paper would be gone. Our food, silverware, and cups would all be gone. Then my mom's jewelry would be on the stairs coming down from the bedrooms, like it was dropped on the way out. One morning, I was wide awake at around 2.30 a.m. for some reason, and I heard what I assumed was one of my parents coming upstairs, going into their bedroom across the hall, then, a few minutes later, going back downstairs. The dog's tail was wagging and hitting the floor, so I wasn't scared, until the next morning when my parents asked if I was up late that night and came into their room. The thing was, she didn't sneak up or tiptoe or anything, straight up stomped up the stairs and down the hall. She had done this many times, and my dog was used to her coming, and was the shittiest guard dog ever. We then changed the locks and put a special coated door for the staircase. Since she couldn't come upstairs to watch us sleep anymore, she would come at around 5 to 6 in the morning, just before my mom and I got up for school. Our alarms would go off at 5.45 a.m. on the weekdays, and we would hear the front door slam shut, and if we ran to the windows, we could see her going back to her house. We changed the locks again, and the night visits seemed to stop. I could go on with more fucked up shit she did to us, but this is long enough. There was this old guy who lived with his wife and his dog a few doors away in a really big house. He rarely left his home, and when he did, he only took his dog for a walk. He also talked very rarely and seemed to avoid other people, while his wife was somewhat more social. The couple lived on our street for a few years, and everything appeared to be fine. However, someday they divorced and the lady moved away for reasons unknown. The old guy remained with the dog in his house, and a few years passed. There was never something suspicious, and aside from his usual strange behavior, everything seemed pretty normal. One morning, that was approximately seven, eight, nine years ago, I left as usual from my house to catch the school bus. Our street is relatively quiet, and normally there isn't much stuff going on, but this morning was a bit different. There were a few neighbors on the street, and my parents said there's something wrong with the old guy, which lived on the end of the street, but nothing specific was known. So I went to school and didn't think much about it. As I returned and exited the bus at the bus stop, 
I saw that the whole street was cordoned off and evacuated. Police cars and officers were everywhere, and even a SWAT team was there. I had no idea what was going on. I met up with my parents, and they explained to me that the old guy tried to commit suicide and planned to take the whole street with him. He flooded his entire basement with gasoline and had an improvised bomb in his garden shed, which was essentially a big pile of propane gas tanks tied together. A timer clock and a toaster served as the fuse mechanism for both the bomb and the basement. The whole thing was rigged to explode at about 7 to 8 a.m. in the morning. A smaller version of this explosive was placed in the trash bin of the guys who lived right next door to this maniac. Obviously, it was something personal. Before the old man triggered the bomb, he wrecked the entire interior of his house with an axe and then went to the garage with his poor dog, locked the gate, and turned his car engine on. He put his dog in the trunk and seated himself in the driver's seat, waiting to die from asphyxiation before he would be blown to pieces. Luckily, the plan didn't work out because a neighbor heard the car engine and became suspicious. He looked through the garage window and at first thought that the man had had a heart attack, so he broke the window and entered, only to see the man more or less conscious in his car. At first, he had no idea what was going on, but then he noticed the distinctive smell of gasoline. He broke the door to enter the house and discovered the mess the guy had created. The neighbor immediately called the cops and a bomb squad took care of the explosives just in time. Unfortunately, the dog suffocated in the trunk and was already dead when the neighbor arrived. The authorities arrested that guy and put him into a psychiatric ward after the court process. He will remain there until the end of his life. The estimated blast radius of the bomb would have been sufficient enough to destroy several houses and do severe damage to the surrounding area. Hey there, let me say that to whoever is listening to this, to be very weary of your neighbors. When I was 12, I used to go to a summer camp with my cousin, who was six at the time. Let me backtrack a bit. My cousin is actually my mom's cousin, because my grandmother's sister had her only kid, so even though I was older than her, she was my older cousin. We both frequented our great-grandmother's house and ventured to the camp from her house. Now, there was an odd neighbor next to my great-grandmother's house. Let's just call him Mike. My family had told me that he was a creep and had a history of making people uncomfortable in the neighborhood to the point where people purposefully avoided the street he lived on. Mike was also a man of very few words, and he was older, I'd say in his 50s or 60s, as he had visible gray hair. So one day, me and my cousin, we'll call her Susan, were walking to the summer camp when I felt someone following us. So, without alarming Susan, I quickly looked over my shoulder, and at first, didn't see anything until I noticed Mike walk from behind the car. I quickened my pace and pulled Susan along and cut through a walkway to see him pick up the pace. I couldn't scare my cousin, so I kept moving, darting between different pathways while trying to outpace Mike. 
Knowing that I was a few minutes away from the camp, I told my cousin to go through the gates while I turned to confront him. He stopped and looked at me and turned back. I immediately reported this to my parents and Susan's mom. They confronted him and he denied any wrongdoing and we threatened to call the cops. Now it's 2020 and he's long dead with his big house being boarded up and torn down. A relic if a time period. Me and my cousin are both adults now and that always still haunts me. The fear of having to protect myself and my cousin brought out the flight or fight response. Always, always watch your neighbors. You never know who is watching you. And that, dear listeners, brings it close to these more true, crazy neighbor stories. If you are sleeping, I hope Slumberland is treating you comfortably. If you are awake, I hope you've enjoyed this collection. Until next time, please take care of yourselves. I'll be reading to you soon. Have yourself a good morning, a good afternoon, or good evening. Peace, love, and light to you all.
Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.